Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. All right, so today on In Awe by Bruce, we welcome Andrea D'Amelio, who Andrea was born into a volatile situation with an abusive father who threatened to kill his mother multiple times. He and his mother fled and tried to start a new life, and when they were introduced to Jesus by a neighbor, there was kind of a supernatural intervention with Jesus that his mother had that radically changed her, and soon after, Andrea responded to those promptings of God also. His story and other stories of how God is working in the world today will inspire and bring awe to you. He's part of the pastoral staff at Vineyard Burn, Switzerland, where he leads and coordinates ministries that work to equip the body of Christ for a supernatural lifestyle to impact the whole world. He is also an author, itinerant revivalist, and filmmaker. He's co-executive producer of Christ in You, The Voice, which follows believers around the world that are using the gifts of the Holy Spirit with the love of God to touch those lives that are so in desperate need of his help and salvation. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Bruce, for having me. It's a great honor. Well, thank you for being here. And, and you know, I just want to start off, kind of maybe explain more about your story. What was the impact that really turned around your mom and your life? So when I was about 10 years old, I was playing soccer. And up to that point, um, I grew up with a single mom. My parents divorced when I was about three and a half years old. And my mother started to pursue spiritual things, um, you know, a long time ago, pursuing witchcraft, occultism and new age in order to find, you know, the truth behind um, the life. So she was looking for the truth, but unfortunately in the wrong places. But when I was about 10 years old, my best soccer friend, he was a he was a Christian. So was his whole family. And he would tell me about Jesus. And whenever we would have soccer games, our parents would come and watch as well. And his mom would tell my mom about Jesus as well. And we started to get to know them better. They were living um, close to where we were living in the um, in the village ne next to our village. So we you know, went to visit them one day. I still do remember that day. And it was around the same time when my mom and I gave our lives to the Lord. And I watched my mom just become free from all the drugs. Mm. And it was amazing to see the impact, you know, her conversion has had up to this point. It was really incredible to see that as a young man uh -huh. back then. Yeah, that had to be like just such such an impact that it did it motivate you then to dive into things deeper spiritually or did it take a while for you to finally kind of hit that point where you're realizing this can happen in my life too. I always believed in supernatural things. Um, I think because of the pursuit, spiritual pursuit my mom was on, my eyes or ears were really open for the spiritual world as well. So I've had a lot of supernatural encounters when I was younger. Mm -hmm. It was more so, you know, the bad ones, more demonic encounters that were not healthy to me, not at all. So I always believed in something supernatural, and I really believe that helped me to accept Jesus Christ and the Bible, and because everything made sense when they shared that with me. So I watched my mom become free from everything. She was handling life very well. She was on fire for the Lord, and she still is. But 
having been a having been a younger man, then later on I was a teenager. I didn't really want to pursue God with all of my heart. I would always believe that He was there. You know, I still had supernatural encounters, more so in the prophetic. Mm-hmm. But again, it was very scary for me to open up my heart completely to the Lord because I was always afraid <laughs> that <laughs> God, you know, would tell me to do things I didn't want to do. I had this image of God being a master telling me, you know, to to quit my job, be a missionary in Africa, give up my life, you know, my interest, marry someone that I don't even think is beautiful. So I had this horrible picture of yeah. God wanting me to do things I never wanted to do. So I stayed away from him, but still believing he was there. And so, Andrea, what what made the jump there? What finally hit home that that all of a sudden you go, you know what, God, I can trust you. I can put my life fully in your hands. And you can make a difference in the world through me. So at one point, I, I stopped playing soccer and I played something called floorball. It's similar to ice hockey, but you run around in a in a hall with a plastic stick and you try to score with a plastic ball. It's the second most pursued sport here in Switzerland after soccer. And I did pretty well. It was my goal to become a professional and I was um, you know, on the way to become one. And I was able to play for the under-19 national team at one point. And um, there was a World Cup coming up here in Switzerland, and I trained very hard for that. And I've heard that scouts from my favorite team were, you know, scouting me out. And if I would do a good job on the World Cup, under-19 World Cup, I would most probably, you know, get an offer in order to play there. So I was training very hard for half a year, six months. You know, I was I was in shape like I've never been before. And then three days before the World Cup would start, I torn my all my ligaments on the right ankle, broke my foot, and it was really a horrible injury. I've had an expert, sport expert doctor looked at my foot and he said it might never be the same. And uh. this really crushed everything that I was pursuing in that particular moment. And I realized how much my identity was rooted in the sport and how much I was running away from my deep wounds that I've had because I didn't grow up with a father, with a biological father. And on that day where where I got injured, I, I remember going home and just telling him everything that I was feeling, that I was building walls in my life for 17 years. I never told myself that it actually hurt me not having a father and as I was just being very honest with the Lord, telling him that I would give him everything, I've had just this encounter where the love of God poured over me and I was just weeping, weeping like a little child for hours. And oh. that's where I gave my 100% yes to the Lord. It wow. was November 2007. I was 17 years old. Wow. Just curious, as you keep going through your life and fears come up mm-hmm. or concerns about where God's leading you, is that one of the things you hold in your memory up to encourage you to keep moving forward? Or do you combine a couple of things? What keeps you in awe of God moving forward? I think looking back, um, I don't have any options anymore. When I was 17, I gave my, my, my all to him. And I think I haven't, you know, backed up from that covenant I made with the Lord back then. Um, it was very honest. It came really from the deepest part of my of my being Mm -hmm. and um that's that's really where everything changed and i don't think i've backed up ever since so i really try to live a life where i don't really have any other options than god okay that's great praise god for that 
you know, Andrea, something that might be a little unusual for some people listening, not not everybody, but some people, it's it's that spiritual side. You know, you grew up with your mom into the occult, things like that. Mm-hmm. You had those kind of negative experiences from that realm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that so people that are listening to it that maybe never had that experience can go, okay, I understand what he's talking about, or man, I've never thought that that was really going on. I only thought that was back in the Bible times. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning, I wasn't sure if these are experiences that other kids um, would have as well. And then at some point, I was questioning myself if I'm just really strange, imagining all these things. So I would hear, you know, audible voices mm-hmm. or creatures, you know, walking around in, in our apartment. My mom, when I was young, would work night shifts in a, being a nurse, taking care of people. So she could take care of me during the day. On one evening, I remember maybe it was 2 a.m., 3 a.m., our phone was ringing and I was like, is my mom calling something off? So I, I took the phone and there were voices telling me they know who I am. They know where I live. They're going to come and get get me. And on another occasion, I was walking home and suddenly I saw this man, but everything was black. He had like uh. a hat on and he was just running after me. So I was never really sure if I was imagining all these things. Sometimes there were pictures falling down as well from the wall. Mm-hmm. And I also remember maybe I was eight or nine years old. I was telling myself, hey, if you see the, and hear the bad things, there has to be the good things as well. You know, there has to be good, not only the bad. Yeah. Something happened when I was thinking through through that and I felt a supernatural peace from that point on. And then as well, an audible voice that would come maybe twice a year and just very gently call my name. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time when it happened, I was by myself because I grew up as an only child. I don't have any siblings. Yeah. I was playing for myself, you know, outside. And then this voice came saying, Andy. And I looked up, was like, who, who called? I couldn't really identify the voice being a male voice or a female voice. And then again, the second time, Andy. And it was such a gentle voice, but as well, so fearful. Yeah, it, I was really fearful when I heard that. And then a third time again, Andy. So I went home to check whether or not my mom called, even though I knew I was so far away, my mom couldn't scream that loud. And so that was something very special for me. And at one point I was playing basketball with my best friend back then. And mm-hmm. then it came again. And that was the first and only time when someone was with me, when the voice would call me and it would always call me three times the voice. And when he was next to me on the third time, he heard the voice and he was so afraid that he ran home. And that was a really key experience for me as well, because I I knew that I was not imagining these experiences. Someone else was being brought into the experience as well. So I knew that this is real. This is somehow something I do experience that others don't. So still, I, I try to understand, you know, some of the experience I've had or still have sometimes. I think that's really important because, you know, a lot of people go, gosh, that's never happened to me, Andy. Why, yeah. Is something wrong with me or am I missing something? Yeah. Uh, do people say that to you? Yeah. And they do have a lot of questions. Obviously, I, I don't really share a lot of these experiences and because they are very confusing at the same time it just shows how how real you know the spiritual world is or the supernatural or the mystic part of the world 
so I, I've had really strange, but at some, you know, sometimes fun things happening to me, but it's, mm-hmm. it's very real. It's very real. So when there are younger kids and parents know my story, and if they have kids, you know, struggling with demonic encounters too, I would talk to the parents or to the kid, and sometimes I'm able, able to help out, and sometimes I, I'm not, yeah. That leads me then to the film that you uh, made, that you were the co-executive producer for, Christ in You, The Voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, I've, I've watched that, it's fabulous, and really enjoyed it, and tell us more about what it's about and how it came to be. So Christ in You, The Voice really is um, to capture the heart of God for, pe- for the people around you. And we, we, we strongly believe in a God that wants to communicate to us, that wants to talk to us, that wants to have a conversation, and then as well mm-hmm. tell others what he thinks of them. So we, yeah. we also you know, use the term prophecy, prophetic. So it teaches people to grow in their relationship with the Lord or to grow in the gift of prophecy so they can actually, you know, kind of see what God is seeing and then say what he's saying. Because I really believe if you want to have the right proclamation over people, you first need to have the right perspective over them. And according to the Bible, we are called to live from heavenly places towards earth. You know, Ephesians 2, 6 or Colossians chapter 3 talk Mm -hmm. about us being raised up with Christ in the heavenly places. And the movie really teaches people how to live from heavenly places towards earth. So you can see people according, you know, to God's heart. So you mm-hmm. can see their destiny and not just their history. And then just speak the words of God over them, encourage them, bring life to them. Because, you know, as the Bible also says, the power of death and life lies in the power of the tongue. So this is what the movie really is about. It will help people grow in their relationship and then in the gift of, of prophecy as well. I'm glad you're defining prophecy like that, because so often we think of prophecy in terms of predicting something mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. But it truthfully is more of what you see from a prophet is they have God's perspective on a person, a situation, and mm-hmm. they're able to speak out what that is and mm-hmm. how it's affected and what's going on. And, and that's what I saw in the documentary that you made, the film. People that were invested enough of putting themselves aside to being able then to see what was going on with somebody else and try and love them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they used whatever gifts, particularly in the, the film, it's, it's more on the healing side of things. What brought you about to get to the point of making this movie? Because it's great the way you do it, going all around the world. And <laughs> interviewing and following these different people. Can can you tell us more about that? How you got to that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So Christ in You, The Voice is our second movie. The first one is called Christ in You, The Movie. And it was in 2014 that a friend of mine and I, we were traveling throughout Asia. I got invited to several churches to do conferences and so on. And then we had an afternoon off. And one of my friends, she said, hey, I can bring you guys into high criminal prison so you can minister to the inmates. We thought, okay, that's, yeah, let's do it. So we went there and these were, you know, like murders, rapers, like the, yeah, the worst of the worst. And when we were there, we were just seeing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God was so kind on them, pouring out his love. And then we were teaching them how, how they can pray for each other. And as they started to pray for each other, we they saw just amazing signs and wonders breaking out. There was a blind guy that was opening up and another guy that was born deaf on one ear. The ear got completely healed. 
and we watched these guys praying for each other. They would weep and cry, hug each other, and it was an amazing experience. And it was after that afternoon that my friend said, hey, Andrea, we, we need to make a film that shows how God is using ordinary people for the supernatural. Mm. So it was his idea. And then, you know, a long story short, we produced the film Christ in You, the movie that teaches people how, how to pray for the sick, how to step out, how to overcome, you know, the fear of man, the fear of failure in order to do a power evangelism. Mm -hmm. And after we were done with the film, you know, we already had a great team, a good infrastructure, cameras and so on. So we were just really searching the heart of God, you know, to see whether or not we should continue to make a film or just leave it as it is. And then we, we felt strongly to make a movie about the prophetic and because I've never seen a movie done about the prophetic, how people can grow in prophecy. So I, I believe it's the first and maybe only movie that's out there that teaches people how, how to see from God's perspective and then release the words of life. So it was just, yeah, through a, an impression that we both had. Tell us about some of the people that are in the movie. Very, very interesting. Quite a wide variety from all different places around the world. Tell mm -hmm. us more about them. Yeah, the people you followed around on the streets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are great people and close friends as well. So the, the first couple um, that you would see in the movie, they, it's Jason and Debbie Jin. Jason mm -hmm. moved to Switzerland. He used to live in the United States. And Jason, he, his, he, had, he just has a heart of gold. You know, he loves people. He sees the gold in literally every single one. And <clears throat> the, one of the thoughts we've, we've had um, putting them together there is to show how a married couple can actually do it together, you know, wherever mm -hmm. they are. And it's just a beautiful thing how, how they are doing that. So they were in Bern, Switzerland, doing, you know, evangelism. It's the capital of, of Switzerland. That's the city I'm living in. Yeah, you can see God moving, God healing people, encouraging people that obviously don't really handle life well, maybe. But then as the grace of God is coming upon them, you can just see how yeah, their hearts are being touched. Brian Blount, I think that's my favorite story in the movie. He's from Oklahoma. He has six kids, triplets, and uh -huh. are part of the six ones. And his story is just absolutely inc incredible. You know, he went through such a hard time having a son with a really bad disease where he would have fits. And then as well, his mom was about to die due to cancer. He was struggling with his own health, everything at the same time while he was having his own business and planting a church. And he, everything was just overwhelming. And in mm. this very moment where everyone was getting sick, everything was getting worse, God told him to go out and pray for the sick, <laughs> which is you know <laughs> such a divine paradox. But he... He did it, and God started to do miracle with his own family. His son Taylor, he's, he got healed also through medication, but as well through prayer. So the fit started to go away. And then his son Tyler, who was struggling and wounded, prayed for his grandmother or for Brian Blount's mom, who was about to die due to cancer. And then she got supernaturally healed, and Brian Blount as well started to feel better. So this story is absolutely incredible. Mm. And there's as well a part in there where they go through a um, drive-through um, from Burger King and they talk to the lady at the counter, you know, giving a word to them, praying for them. She gives her life to the Lord and doesn't know how to react because she's so overwhelmed by the love and power of God. So ah, it's just, yes, such an incredible scene, so inspiring. 
and touching how God is just using him and this whole family, how Tyler joins him on the streets and is praying for people. Such a beautiful story. And there's a woman called Jenna. Jenna has a, a gift to to minister to people in terms of inner healing. So she can see somehow, you know, patterns of people's thoughts and know where they are believing a lie. And she's really good in breaking prophetically the lie that people have and really, and in that way to release them into their destiny. So she's a very unique woman, a good friend of mine, highly gifted in, in the prophetic. And then we have Brazil. And um, in Brazil, I'm ministering with a with a friend of mine, with Philippa. And the goal was that I would, you know, show him how how he could minister prophetically to other people because he never did it. Mm -hmm. So together, maybe for one week, and after a week, you know, God was using him, and he was already discipling another guy um, yeah. in the prophetic as well. So it was a beautiful, you know, multiplication, and God was was doing amazing things as well. So yeah, there are you know several people that we followed around or interviewed, like mm. Bill Johnson, Graham Cook, Chris Valentin, John and Lisa Bevere. And I think the combination of having normal people, you know, like my friends Jenna, Brian, or Jason Chin, and then as well these amazing generals like Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, is it's a very unique combination, and I love the fact that we have both in there. I want to jump back to Bill Johnson in just a minute, but because of something he said, but what I liked too is that then with the people that were doing healings, you followed them down the road a little bit, a day, week, whatever later, and to make sure you know that that it wasn't just a momentary kind of oh I feel better, but that actually something had truly happened in their life and changed. You know, you had the kids that were in Switzerland, the incredible healings that were done with them, as well as you know the woman in China. I think it was Hong Kong you know, a church and everything. Tell us more about that. Cause that's, I think that's verification for some of the work that's being done is just, it's not just this, Hey, somebody felt good for a moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, it had a way longer impact than, you know, just the scene that you see in the movie. So we tried to keep track of some of the people, obviously we prayed for hundreds of people. It's impossible to keep track of all of them, but we did keep track of the people we put into the movie we were ourselves actually very astonished to see the impact it has had. So the lady in Singapore, she checked out a church nearby. And then the guys from from Switzerland, actually, it's, it's funny because friends of mine, they reached out to me saying, hey, I met this guy there. I met this guy there. And I approached him. That was several months after we filmed them. And, you know, they... Yeah. And they would tell them about the movie and they were like, yeah, it had such an impact. I started to read my Bible. You know, that was really a key encounter. And then as well, it's a story we didn't put into the movie, but we, we prayed for a lady because she was cutting herself mm. you know, due to depression and she was just really struggling. And she had huge scars on her legs and she wanted us to pray for, for, for the scars to disappear. So we were like, oh my goodness, she has so much faith. She actually believes God could do this. So we prayed and, you know, she felt the peace going through her body, a tingling on her leg. And then the next day, she sent us a picture of her legs and the scars disappeared. Oh, and, she, and she knew that we were still filming. So she came yeah. along watching us, how we would pray for others. And she took three or four of her friends and they all got saved and they are coming to our church now. So, yeah, wow. it's how, how there really is a lasting impact on people's life. 
So one of the things that I thought was very good that you did in the in the movie, because somebody might be listening to this and and going, OK, you're healing all these people and everybody and everything. But that's not the case. The mm -hmm. case is that not everybody does get healed. And yet I thought the responses and the perspective that people like Bill Johnson gave on that. OK, somebody doesn't get healed. Is that oh, God, a failure? I didn't do something right. You know, by the end of the day, it's it's not about getting people healed, it's about them feeling loved. And if you are able to do to do that, <clears throat> it's always a win-win situation for the kingdom of God because mm. love always, always wins. So we, we teach our people, and I hope the movie teaches that as well, that we don't see people as a target to see a healing release, but really see them as, as someone God cares about, as someone mm -hmm. God loves, and then showcase the heart of God through that. And I think praying for people is a sign that God really cares for them. And if people are not getting healed, we, we would always tell them, hey, it's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because you've done something wrong. Healing is a mystery. We don't know why it doesn't always happen. But what we do know also is that sometimes it's a process. Healing would come later on, you know, maybe the next day, three hours later, something would happen. So we would always tell the people if someone doesn't get healed, hey, just because you didn't get healed right now doesn't mean that you are not going to be healed. And even more important is it's important for you to know that it doesn't mean that God doesn't love, love you because he loves you with all of his heart. So our goal really is to show people that they are loved and not mm. to get them healed. That's that's a byproduct, but it's mm. not a goal, definitely. I think that's so important because that leads really to my next question as people think about this and they, you know, somebody thought God's lead me to pray for somebody or to, you know, along the lines of healing somebody or something, uh, that big fear comes over. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was one of the other things I thought was done really well was how you talked about fear and how it was handled, especially the one guy uh, near the end that's in Switzerland. He talks about, about he has fear and he finally realized that it was, it's not about him. It's about Jesus and so he goes out when he has fear, goes out when he doesn't have fear, and then sometimes he doesn't, he chickens out, <laughs> which I thought was very honest and transparent. But yeah. talk to us a little bit about that whole idea of doing something like this mm -hmm. and then feeling the fear. Mm -hmm. What do you do? I've been doing this for over 12 years now, and I still have fear. I still, you know, have the fear of men, Some, not, not so much the fear of failure sometimes too. And I just started to realize, hey, I... I don't think I will ever get delivered of the fear. I will not get, get delivered from it, but only through it by confronting mm. the fear and stepping out, no matter what the consequences are. And many times we believe, you know, that bold people don't experience fear, but they experience fear as well. So bold, being bold or courageous doesn't mean not to have fear. It just means to still step out, feeling the fear, accepting the consequences, no matter what they are going to be. And then as well, fear can be a beautiful thing, you know, if you have a different perspective about it. If we wouldn't have fear, I don't think we would have the opportunity to trust God or to have faith in him in that situation. So this is something I would tell myself, hey, the Bible says that faith is the only thing that pleases God, right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Mm -hmm. So when I step out, even though I feel fear, I'm moving in faith. So stepping out in fear turns fear into faith. And that is the very thing God is pleased with. Mm. And to me, stepping out is already 
something I will celebrate because I know God is celebrating it regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. It's not about if people are getting healed or not, if the prophetic word is going to be right or wrong. No, it's about me becoming a person where the Holy Spirit can rest upon. It's about me becoming a person that is constantly showing faith towards the Lord because I know this is the very thing that pleases his heart. So faith is actually a very key atom as well. Fear gives me the opportunity to take me to the place where I store my trust um, for the Lord. And the Bible as well says that blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Or there's another scripture that says, blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord. So having opportunities where you have to trust in the Lord or where the Lord has to be your trust is a beautiful thing because it means you are being blessed. So it doesn't matter if you are being rejected, if the person is not getting healed, you will be blessed anyway. If Mm -hmm. it's healed or the word makes sense, then the person is blessed and you are blessed. Either way, the kingdom of God will always win. So another thing that helped me as well is to realize that many times, and I've learned that from Robbie Dawkins, that it's the spirit of fear that manifests fear as the spirit of sickness would manifest sickness. So many times when I would feel the fear, I would just tell myself, hey, the devil is probably very scared because he saw how I was maybe getting a word from the Lord or how I was looking, staring at someone with crutches, you know, thinking about to pray for them. And then when the fear comes up, I would just tell myself, hey, the devil is really scared because he doesn't want to see me praying for that person. He's scared of losing a child of darkness over to the kingdom of God. And Mm -hmm. many times, and I've experienced that too, the bigger the fear, the bigger the potential that the kingdom of God is about to break in. So, Fear can be a great advertisement. Thank you for putting it that way, because I think that brings home the the real point of fear happens. We're humans. We have fear. It's, you know, one of the biggest things that's said in the Bible, don't fear, right? Absolutely, and, yeah. And there's a reason. He wants to replace it with faith. And mm-hmm. I think it was Bill Johnson said this in there. He said, we owe people an encounter with God's love and power. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's really what's happening in your life and the people that you're working with and training and developing, discipling. As people hear this, where can they go to find more information? I'll post uh, your website, but you want to tell people anything more about where to look, what to read, mm-hmm. where to find you, that kind of thing? I think all the books that Bill Johnson wrote, I can highly recommend them. There's a book called God's General, while some succeeded and some failed. It's the blue one. That is an amazing read. Um, I do really encourage people to watch our movies, and I'm not doing that because I produce them. <laughs> I really think God breathed on both of the movies, and I've heard literally hundreds of stories from people from all over the world how much their lives have been changed after watching the movie. When you read something, you will only read how it can be done but a movie through a movie you can actually see and hear how it can be done you can learn faster and you see how other people are doing it and you can copy things or find your own way in approaching people and praying so i really think movie has been an amazing equipping tool way better than i ever thought because we were also doing some statistics through surveys and after the first movie over 34% of the people who watched the movie stepped out the first time praying for someone just because mm. they saw the movie. 
of those 35, um, 35 plus minus percent, over 40% saw healing and over 15% saw someone coming to the Lord already. And I was wow. blown away by the statistics. I'm, I'm blown away by the testimonies I've, I've heard from people. I remember one time I was invited to go to a meeting where several people were gathered to brainstorm how our city can be reached. And the guy walks in, points at me, and he said, you're the reason I'm messed up. You're the reason my life is okay. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my goodness, what have I done? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and he said, you know, I, I watched your first film, and I sold everything, and I just got back from several months of travel throughout Europe because I needed to do this so I could pray for people. So he sold everything in order to travel and just pray for people for months and months throughout Europe. Wow. And I, and I just thought, oh, my goodness, what an impact the movie can have. So definitely Bill Johnson's book, the movies, this is already a great start. The book, God's General. And then as well, you know, Randy Clark has amazing books as well that will teach you how to move in power evangelism. One last question I wanted to ask you uh, before any final thoughts is, you know, talking about Europe. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of Europe as being pretty well anti-Christian, non-Christian, everything. Tell us, are you seeing changes there, more openings? What are you seeing in Europe? I think you will see what you expect. Um, I don't really partner with the thoughts any longer that are saying, you know, Europe is secular, people don't really care about Christianity, because I used to hear it all the time when I was younger. I also used to believe it. And unfortunately, many times, or mm -hmm. fortunately, you will actually see what you believe. You know, it's what Jesus said, let it be according to your faith. And I started to realize, hey, Jesus said 2,000 years ago that the harvest is ripe. And if it was ripe 2,000 years, how much more is it ripe and ready today? So I just started to declare biblical truth over our city. And here's the thing. When we started to do power evangelism in 2008, so 12 years ago, it was a very good outreach where when we could pray for 30% of the people we approached, that was like an amazing outreach. Mm -hmm. A couple, couple years later, it's very normal that we can pray for at least 80% on a regular basis. We can pray for everyone we approach. Wow. Over and over again, you know, we, we hear people when we approach them, oh, that's so good. You guys are out again. And I've had people from your church pray for me one year, two years, please. I would love to have another prayer. And just recently, actually two weeks ago, a friend of mine approached someone with crutches and he prayed for him and it was like, oh, do you know what? I broke my ankle a couple years ago and someone came up to me, prayed for me. It got way better. And just today I was asking myself, I hope I will bump into someone who will approach me again. You know, <laughs> that's the kind of atmosphere we were able to create in our city. But here's the mm -hmm. thing. We have other people from Switzerland come to our city to experience the open heaven we have. So in other cities, it's not as it is with us. But I really believe it's because we were able to, to push through something in the spiritual world that is accessible to everyone. And I don't partner with with thoughts that are saying Europe or Switzerland or especially my city is mm. close to the gospel. I don't believe it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Jesus said, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's good for us all to think about because we do get that locked in our mind, and yet God says the fields are white for harvest, just like you said. That's fabulous. Any last things you want to say to any say to people as they're listening? Any any last words? 
there's one thing I really want to add that that I think will help many people too. You know, there are so many prayer gatherings that are praying for the harvest. Mm. And I'm, I'm not saying it's it's not good, and, but I don't think it's very biblical because Jesus never prayed for the harvest. He said the harvest is ready. But Jesus actually told the disciples, pray that the Father would send out laborers, people who are going out in order to get the harvest. And that's the only prayer request I have seen Jesus made public, inviting other people to pray mm. with him. So think about that. We are constantly praying about the harvest, you know, how they are supposed to get saved, come into church. And it's a good prayer. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying, hey, Jesus wants us to pray that more people are being sent out in order to get the harvest, because in his perspective, the harvest is already ready. So evangelism then isn't about getting as many people from the city into the church, but it's about getting as many people from the church into the city and into your community, because this is the very heart of God. This has been the prayer request um, from Jesus 2000 years ago, and I don't believe it has changed. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. I think it's more open our eyes to see the harvest that's already there and mm -hmm. help us go out in faith to, to serve and reach that harvest. Just want to say thank you so much for being on and thank you for being such a faithful witness. Appreciate you stepping out and doing the things you're doing and training others, discipling others. Yeah, so God thanks. bless you and God bless your ministry. And for anybody, listen, watch those movies. They're, they are fabulous. They will have a great impact on your life. Andy, God bless. We'll catch you later. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bruce. All right.